This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. Welcome to Podcast, produced by students in the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media program at Durham College. Hello and welcome to Film Real News. I'm your host, Benjamin Smith, and today I'm going to be talking about what you got coming your way on Disney Plus in the next few months. As you probably know, the massive hit WandaVision had its big finale last week and left fans satisfied while also wanting more. On the same day, we got Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon. You're glowing. Oh, thank you. I use aloe and river slime to maintain my... A film that is getting great reviews, but not many views in particular because it's a part of Disney Plus's exclusive content that comes at an extra price of about $34 here in Canada. If you're looking to save your money on this one, it will be available free of extra charge on June 4th. When it comes to exclusive Marvel shows, Disney really isn't giving us much time here in between series because next week we have the premiere of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier headed our way. And they might be a part of the big three. What big three? Androids, aliens, and wizards. That's not a thing. That's definitely a thing. No, it's not. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to be a six-episode story giving us a look at the world our heroes live in post-Avengers Endgame. The show is set to premiere March 19th on Disney+. And if you are a Star Wars fan, be sure to keep your eyes open for the animated series The Bad Batch that is headed our way on May the 4th, Star Wars Day. The Bad Batch follows a unique group of clones who are trying to find their way in a galaxy in the aftermath of the Clone Wars. This is at a point in the Star Wars timeline where things get more blurry and not as flushed out, so it will be really cool to see them explore this specific time period. And after The Bad Batch, we can start looking forward to Loki that is set to release June 11th of this year. Loki is going to be another episodic series for the Marvel Universe starring Tom Hiddleston as your favorite god of mischief. We already know that we're going to be seeing some familiar faces from the MCU, but in terms of new ones, we actually have Owen Wilson in the cast of this show who plays Mobus M. Mobus. Quite a unique name there, so I'm definitely intrigued to see what's in store for this character. Loki is premiering June 1st, so we'll have a pretty sweet show to watch right at the beginning of the summer. And if you are a Pixar fan, you will definitely be excited for the return of Monsters, Inc. this summer in a new Disney Plus series titled Monsters at Work. Something about this is really exciting just because we're having the original voice actors return. The show is set to be a sequel to the first film, and the story will follow a young monster named Taylor Tuskman. Sully and Mike will return, of course, voiced by John Goodman and Billy Crystal. I'm really excited for what we have coming for this first half of 2021, and we have a lot of great movies and shows to look out for on Disney+. I know the second half of 2021 won't be light on content either. We will be getting Miss Marvel and the Book of Boba Fett, I'm sure of, so I'm really happy for the type of content Disney Plus has been pushing out. Definitely worth the subscription, in my opinion. That is all I got for you guys today. I've been your host, Benjamin Smith, on Film Real News. You are listening to podcasts produced by the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media Program at Durham College. I just want to say a smile. Just want to say a smile. Welcome to a special edition of Just Want to See You Smile. I'm your host, Crystal Pinnock. 
Thank you for joining me. On today's show, find out how my mom, Rose Hunter, an early childhood educator, or ECE, has been running an essential service, a licensed home daycare during the pandemic. Essential services are not just the people working on the front lines, but the workers who care for their children, like Rose's home daycare. Welcome to the show, Rose. Thanks, Krista, for having me. I brought you on the show today because of the essential service you are providing with having a home daycare. How long have you been in the field as an early childhood educator? And how has your experience prepared you during this pandemic? I've worked over 20 years of providing home care and working in the school system as a supply daycare teacher for 22 schools in Durham region and four schools in Toronto. Was running a home daycare during SARS as well, but it wasn't this bad though. Hand washing is something that I always do in my home daycare. Sanitizing is also something that I practice all the time. From March 2020 to May 2020 of last year, most child care centers were closed. However, home daycares remained open. This is true. The government considered home daycare an essential service. All the children in my daycare that I am providing care for, their parents are frontline workers. What has it been like running a home daycare during the pandemic, Rose? Daycare providers have to wear a surgical mask. And at the door, we have to ask the parents questions. If they've been out of the country, if they um, have any fever, any temperature, we take their temperature right at the door if they step inside and the children's temperatures are taken daily and every two weeks I sent those temperatures to the agency, the agency and the agency in turn sent them to the government. We have to be very careful, very cautious and the children activities that they used to do they can't do them anymore. Stuff animals not allowed in the daycare even. So um, we are very careful about mealtime and how they eat and they can't share food or anything. Thank you for being on the show, Rose. You're welcome, Krista. And for running an essential service to provide care for children whose parents are frontline workers. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Just Wanna See You Smile. And thank you to all the frontline workers and essential services that are open to serve You are listening to podcasts produced by the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media Program at Durham College. Hi, I'm Diego. Welcome to The Diego Show. On the show today, I'll be spotlighting Canada's progressive rock hidden gem, Max Webster. Progressive rock in Canada is defined by this band.
And while I love Rush, I think I'd lose my Canadian citizenship if I said anything otherwise, I think there's another Canadian progressive rock band that deserves equal attention. Max Webster, formed in Sarnia, Ontario in 1973, were a unique, dynamic band that experimented with an endless amount of genres and had a very intertwined history with Rush. They were on the same record label, Anthem. Both bands used Terry Brown as their producer, and they toured the world together. Max Webster's lineup consisted of Kim Mitchell on guitars and lead vocals, Terry Watkinson on keyboards and vocals, Dave Miles on bass, later replaced by Mike Tilka, and Paul Kersey on drums, later replaced by Gary McCracken. The band released five studio albums, all very successful in Canada, with four going gold and one going platinum. They also scored hits with songs like Paradise Skies, A Million Vacations, and Diamonds, Diamonds. But their biggest song is Let Go of the Line, which you heard in the intro. It's unique to the band's catalog, as it's one of the few songs not written and sung by guitarist Kim Mitchell. It was actually written and sung by keyboardist Terry Watkinson. It's a gorgeous ballad. While the band had a big following up here in the Great White North, they could never seem to break into other countries, and eventually broke up. Guitarist Kim Mitchell went on to have a very successful solo career, creating a bunch of Canadian classic rock radio staples. But it's a shame the band broke up, because they were the whole package. Kim Mitchell is a guitarist on par with legends like Brian May and Alex Lifeson. His fiery, jazz fusion shredding is mind-blowing and was unlike any other guitar playing in rock at the time. This is best heard in the solo for Paradise Skies. Max Webster could do beautiful introspective ballads like Words to Words. Face to face, words to words. Stealing a gaze. And good time rock stompers like High Class in Borrowed Shoes. Max Webster is a criminally underrated band. They did more in nine years than most bands do in a career. Paradise Skies has meant a lot to me lately. Its fun, hopeful lyrics make me dream of the first post-COVID-19 summer, when happiness begins to ride from streets to paradise skies, and with vaccines starting to be given out, maybe that time's not that far away. Thank you for listening to The Diego Show. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to podcasts produced by the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media Program at Durham College. Do you have an idea or a podcast to share? Send it to us here at Discovery, the radio show for podcasters on 105.9 The Region. Listening to New Music on the Region, an interview-based podcast that showcases new music and provides industry insight. I'm your host, Christina Lavecchia, music director at 1059 The Region. Whether it's a brand new talent or an established artist, we bring you conversations with performers from York Region and beyond. I don't wanna hear the things that I do, the problems I cause the people I use. And after all, all you said was true. I don't wanna hear the things that I
this episode of New Music on the Region podcast, I'm chatting with Brendan Saunders from a Canadian alternative rock band called 13 Fridays. The pandemic has not slowed down this Oakville, Ontario-based group. Late last year, they released their album Dioxide. They're already in the process of pre-production for their next album and are currently scheduling a U.S. tour for later this year. Brendan's on the line with me now. Brendan, how are you? Good, good, how are you? Good. So let's start off by introducing the other members of 13 Fridays. There's Pete, Josh, Paul, and Jordan. How did you guys come together? So for a long time, I was trying to get a group together, and I wasn't really working out. I, uh, um, yeah, I did a lot of things jamming in Toronto and uh, Oakville and pretty much anywhere in uh, Ontario. I even went to, like, Kingston once uh, to play with somebody. Uh, and then I took a bus back and didn't work out. But, uh, yeah, in 2019... Uh, decided I was going to make my own album and play all the instruments and sing. So I, I scheduled that. And then later that summer, uh, I kind of realized I couldn't sing or play drums. Uh, so I just went into um, getting people together. So I, I met uh, Jordan, the drummer, first back in 2018. And I had asked him to do it, but he said no uh, first because he was working at a potato factory. And then he called me the next day because he, he got fired. So he said he could do the record. Um, and that was only like six days before the record was going to get recorded. Um, and then, uh, Josh, he signed on, I think two weeks before the record. And I, I had known him before back in 2018, I met him. And then Pete, I met on the side of the road because he had a guitar. And then I think I, I texted him, but he never responded the first time. And then I texted him again, like five days before the record. And, uh, he said, yes. And then Paul, we met the day of uh, the recording on Saturday because uh, the guy who was doing our, I guess, producing and engineering, Lucas Damasio, knew, knew Paul. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, that's how we met. But everyone got along, and uh, we really liked the record, and it worked out. Wow, so you completely didn't know each other before going into the studio. So how was uh, yeah. that? <laughs> how was that initial connection? Because this is from your first EP, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was good. Everyone got along really, really well. Like, uh, yeah, we'd only, I think, definitely Paul and I think most of the guys had just met when we started recording. And uh, I had only met, I met Josh a couple times and Jordan a couple times. I had met Pete uh, one time, but he, I think he t- tells a story about uh, when he was coming over to rehearse, he, he brought a knife because he didn't know if I was a serial killer because I kept texting him. Uh, and, uh, but I wasn't, I guess. Um, and then he was cool with, uh, playing on the record and he liked the songs and, and then we went from there, but I had only met P once, I think Josh two or three times, Jordan two or three times, and I had never met Paul before, but everyone got along really, really well. And, um, and yeah, it, it was just really, really easy to, uh, uh to play with them and, and to yeah, start the band. And did you have the name 13 Fridays before they joined or, or was that something you guys came up with together as a band? No, it was I was supposed to be Kodiak because I liked the name of like the boot company, but then no one liked that. And then uh, Pete had a band called Thirteen Fridays, or Thirteen Friday, in college down in Carolina where he was going to school. And then he was like, "Hey, why don't I add like an apostrophe s?" And then it's a totally different band, and I like the name. And then everyone liked the name, so Kodiak got voted out, and yeah, Thirteen Fridays got in. So 2020 was your first full year together as a band. And just on Spotify alone, you received over 53,000 streams, reaching 60 countries. How has the past year been for you and the band? 
all good. Yeah, it's uh, it's been really really good. Just um, you know, getting out there and uh, getting people to, uh, to listen to stuff and hopefully enjoy it. I um, mean, you know, I guess if they don't enjoy it, that's fine too. And they're just listening to it to listen to it. But yeah, no, it's cool. It's uh, fun to get out there and fun for people to uh, to check it out. So yeah, it's always fun to have people listen to stuff. Did you find it particularly challenging because of the pandemic? Yeah, I think uh, at at the start, you know, we were getting a chance to play live a lot. And I think that's where a lot of our uh, feedback was coming from. And then when the pandemic kind of hit, live music kind of stopped. And uh, we definitely uh, were getting uh, the same responses in terms of uh, people listening. Because uh, I think we were playing like, yeah, we were playing a lot, I, I think, before the pandemic, like almost every second week. So that was really fun to get out there and show people it. But, um, you know, I guess the people who had heard it up to that point kind of liked it and kept with it. And, um, and yeah, and we were able to, to, I guess, get people interested enough that uh, they didn't forget about us uh, right away. But I guess it did have its challenges. But uh, at the same time, it just gave us, you know, another opportunity to start writing new stuff and, and focusing on, like, the next stuff. Yeah, and you've been keeping busy because you have your latest album called Dioxide. Did you want to tell us a bit about it? Yeah, yeah. Um, we made or we did the recording in that in the summertime in Toronto uh, with Mike Tompa from Silverstein, and it was uh, it was a really really good uh, process because we were uh, really um, pumped to get back in and and do because we had been dormant for a couple months and no one had even seen each other I think for like three months or so uh, so we were really pumped and we had a lot of songs that we wanted to put on and and Mike uh, Tampa who produced it um, and was the engineer for it was like he's amazing he's uh, he did stuff like I don't know I think half that record was Mike playing on it uh, but yeah he was really really good and everyone had a great time just recording it uh, the songs we really liked and we really liked how it um, how it ended up it was really great for for us to uh, have Mike work on it and have a record that sounded that good for us and did you find um, the process of recording this second album different compared to your first one? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, uh, definitely more uh, security about who was actually playing on the record. Um, yeah, because the first time around, I didn't even know who was coming out. Like, I talked to the guys, and I was hoping that they were going to show up. And uh, I was driving two of them to the recording studio, so I, I knew two of them were going to show up. But <laughs> Uh, for the other two, I didn't know, but yeah, this one was a lot better. I knew who was actually playing what and doing something or doing singing or guitar playing. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot easier. Uh, definitely a lot more, uh, secure, I think. Um, but yeah, both experiences were really cool. Um, just because they were new, both, uh, working with two different guys, Lucas on our first one and Mike on our second one, they both were really talented and, and helped us a lot, but it was uh, yeah, a great experience, but definitely, uh, more of a, a lot easier to do the second one than the first one. And all you said was true and Miracle are your latest releases from the album. Tell us about the tracks mm-hmm. and what inspired them. Um, Miracle is uh, that's a Pete, our bass player, wrote that one. I think about I think it's about a girl. And he's driving back from Carolina, and um, I think he wrote that while he was in the car um, uh, coming back to Canada. I think right after the pandemic hit, they kind of uh, he was in Carolina at the time, and they kind of like kicked everybody out. They were like um, they just closed the housing. They're like, okay, everybody uh, go home, get lost. 
And uh, he was like, well, I live in Canada. And they're like, well, you better start driving now. So he's like, oh, okay. So I think he had the original instrumentation in his mind already. And then as he was driving home, the 14 or it's not 14 hours, but it is a long time. Maybe it is 14 hours back to Canada. He was just, uh, he would write the lyrics to that. Um, and that was Miracle. And yeah, all you said was true. Uh, I wrote that one, I think about our, just about the last year and then all the, the recording process and uh, playing live and playing with different bands. And uh, so it was kind of like yeah, a reflection on uh, the year and in, uh, in the in music that we had leading up to the pandemic. And you had mentioned uh, before our interview that the band is in the process of pre-production for your next album. How's that going so far? Good, good. Yeah, we we're uh, planning to do it again in the summertime with um, uh, Mike again um, in August. Um, and it's good. Yeah, we're we're hoping to do a 10-song 10, uh, 10 record, which would be one more than our last one. Um, and everyone's really pumped on it. I know, um, I think we everyone's got songs they're bringing into now. At first, it was just me writing all the songs and then Pete came in with songs and now I think you know all five members are coming in and writing songs and, and we have new new guys coming in to do some instrumentation Bennett uh is a drummer that we're going to have coming in and I think Mike play or I know Mike plays strings and stuff and we really want him to play strings and piano on the next record as well so it's going to be really fun everyone's really excited to add new um new instrumentation for it so it's good do you guys have a title for the album yet uh yeah I, I think um I think we're either going to do a Polar Blitz or Borealis. Um, those two will probably get voted down again. I mean, those are two I really like, but everyone seems to hate all the names that I make. Um, <laughs> so I guess we'll see what happens. I like that, though. Borealis or Polar Blitz, I think that sounds cool. Um, but I guess we'll see. I guess it's either them or another title will come out. Well, you didn't get the band name, so you might get the album title this time. <laughs> Hopefully. I hope so. Man, I uh, I named dioxide and everyone hated it. And I was like, oh, come on, guys. Like, it's cool. It's like carbon dioxide, but without the carbon parts. And they're like, oh, I don't know, man. Let's uh, name something else. And I was like, oh, no. And then uh, then we went with the dioxide. But uh, I think there's definitely a split. I don't think many people wanted that, but I really did. So I was happy with it. And how about a release date? Did you say the summer or do you have a specific date? I think probably September 2021, probably at the end of September, September 30th, probably 2021. And you also had mentioned off air that you and the band are in the process of scheduling a U.S. tour for later this year. How are those shows mm-hmm. going to look like with pandemic restrictions, if if they are still? Uh, it's uh, it's weird. It's really weird. I mean, the, we have a lot of shows in the Midwest that have been booked, and uh, it's, a, it's a real split in the States because some people care and some people don't care at all. Like, I called one guy in iowa and he was like oh yeah you guys can come out and play and i was like oh really because we're coming from canada so we kind of need to know if the show is like a for sure thing he's like oh man i haven't closed down since the pandemic started i was like oh okay well all right um so the midwest has definitely been a big a big thing but there are parts of the states that are like completely closed down and i think we emailed like the whole country just about trying to get gigs and stuff and uh, we were lucky enough to get about a month and a half worth a little more than a month um and we're really excited we're going to play with some really great bands uh just a daunting task to to get everything lined up before uh, may 20th in minnesota for our first show but um we're really excited and it's uh, been a lot of work from everybody in the group and um yeah we're really pumped to play and uh pumped to have a u.s audience hopefully it goes through and the pandemic doesn't uh doesn't stall us um uh, because it'd be a great experience but yeah well we'll i guess we'll go off of how the 
mazes going, but right now it's it's looking positive, so we're hoping for that to continue. Is this your first tour as a band? Yeah, well, I guess we toured a bit for Ontario. Like, we were playing every other two, every weekend, and kind of these mini tours that we would play every every chance we could get. Um, but a lot of them, they wouldn't even pay us. Like, I remember once I had to pay the venue just to have us, and it's a lot different in the U.S. Like, the U.S. is like, oh, yeah, how much do you want? Like, we can pay you 500 I mean, it's not much, but we can do that. And I was like, yes, yes, please, 500 Yeah, 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 we'll do that for sure. How, how about date-wise? Do you have any dates set? Yeah, yeah. So we're uh, the the length of the tour would run from May twentieth in Minnesota is where we start off near Fargo, uh, North Dakota, to um, July third in uh, Seattle, um, Washington. And if listeners want to connect with you and the band online and learn more about the tour and your music, what's the best way they could do that? Um, yeah, just uh, uh, email us through our website, thirteenfridays.com. It goes right to one of the members, and um, if they want any info on the band or or um, want to talk about anything, just, yeah, the, that's the best way to reach us for sure. Awesome. Brendan, it was great speaking with you. Thank you for joining me on New Music on the Region podcast. Oh, yeah, no, thanks for having me, Christina. It was, uh, it was awesome talking, and thanks again for, for the time. Did you want to take us out with one of your latest tracks? Yeah, I'm no, sure. This is Brendan Saunders from 13 Fridays. This is our song, All You Said Was True, on 105.9 The Region.
Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.